Thank you. That's a great story. I didn't know that. I have to arrange my many devices. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. That was um, that's a story I didn't know, so that's exciting. Uh, and yes, uh, that's an annual. Uh, scholarship for the Northwoods Writers Conference so if any of you know any uh, native women who might want to join the Northwoods group in June when the lake is not yet warm <laughs> in June in Minnesota uh, I think that would be fantastic uh, thank you for having me here this is a great experience so far and a great opportunity I haven't met too many folks but tomorrow I'm gonna do my craft talk with the writers and hopefully I'll be able to come around and see some of the work going on here. As Sarah mentioned, I work with a lot of uh, visual artists, almost entirely native visual artists, although I've worked with um, public artists who are not native. And I started out as a curator, but quickly became involved in art production as well. Um, and at the same time was working with choreographers. So this book, Curator of Ephemera, has a lot to do with what I learned about curatorial practice and about working with visual artists. And uh, so there's a lot of ekphrastic poems in there in which I write about the art, um, but in ways that I hope are not uh, usurping the art in any way. Last night we had a conversation about how curatorial practice can create a narrative and that's where I started until I started meeting artists who said, I don't want you to put a narrative on my work. And then I thought, well, what do we do? One of the artists that I worked with a lot is Andrea Carlson, and her work is on the cover of this book. Andrea is Ojibwe as well from Grand Portage in Minnesota, and uh, she makes large-scale paintings that have a filmic quality that use a couple different principles that are created in 20 inch panels. So they felt really good for me in terms of my um, filmmaking practice. And uh, we have a lot in common talking about, uh, with our work talking about how media portrays native peoples, how our relationship to media plays out across our lifetimes. And uh, she was one of the first people I said, well, I don't want to create narrative around your work that has its own structure and narrative. Uh, what should I do? And she said, just tell lies. So one of the lies we created together was that this object, which is a Fresnel lens. Does anybody know what a Fresnel lens is? Yeah. yeah? What is it? It's a lighting device that uh, uh, sort of focuses the light. Yeah, it focuses and unfocuses at the same time, so it creates a very specific beam of light. So it's a very odd, contradictory device, but they are in lighthouses in the 19th century, and supposedly the first lighthouse that was put up along Lake Superior was called by the Ojibwe people the Windigo Eye, and that's the name of a creature, an ice monster, that um, a cannibal ice monster of winter. That's terrifying, and you can imagine people looked out to Isle Royale and saw this giant light beaming out of Lake Superior and told stories that it was. Um, so this is a lie I told for her for Windigo Eye. She wasn't sure if it was a lie or not that someone had told her that, that her people called it that, the lighthouse. 
curatorial statement for Windigo Eye. Viewing this work through the lens of Fresnel, an oblique critical angle might be arrived at, and we may appreciate the layers of flat and curved surface, the distinct cultural experience refracted in black and white. Each section of the whole builds imaging and non-imaging, so the areas of text, there's a picture opposite me of my primitive ancestry that stood on rocky shores and kept the beaches shipwreck free, might act as non-image. Convexly, the artist's DNA left as she crimped the paper, sucked the brush to a fine tip, hiccuped, tore a nail, creates an image of the indigenous corpus. That this image arises entirely from non-visible elements, and yet we see figures we relate to in our engagement, surely shows the work itself commands us to interact with it. That this type of interaction is not specified means less than that we viewers scrape the underside of well-muscled 100-pound paper and send the sample, await results, or as critic Jessica Kapolnik states, they can learn their true ancestry. They can now feast on the genetic contents of their own flesh. They have themselves become host to the Windigo. So that's one of the lies I told. I'm like, suddenly it got quiet. I'm like, are we going to have another power out? <laughs> I have a flashlight in my pocket, if need be, and a flashlight holder designated. I realize I didn't turn my phone ringer down. Nobody ever calls me, but it probably happened because of that. Another thing that I did with this book is work with the idea of media um, and what um, we intend and how we might make mistakes and how you know there's there's things out there in the world that are created for us to understand each other better and we just don't <laughs> we understand each other much worse they have not helped us to come to some sort of truth so that's a, a throw line and a theme um, in the book about uh, what what we say or don't say. And I sing when I read those poems too, so I'm not going to do that one right now. But I'll do it toward the end. Uh, Undead Fairy Goes Great with India Pale Ale is one of the films, and you see a little bit of it on the screen there. So I'm going to read this one through. There's you know multiple iterations of these works. The films are just a different version of the poem. And this is uh, something I overheard in a bar. I heard somebody say, um, the look she was going for was that undead fairy look. So I thought, that's a look? That's a trend? What do, what do you drink with undead fairy? Undead fairy goes great with India pale ale. Pale and smoky eye, puny bruised bully, thin as a wing, victim rampant in a fierce corset. That look I've never liked. Shards of black lace or tattered chiffon trailing over an arm brace and a crossbow. Lidded glances, that look I know, that look comes around every decade or so. Panting, waxy vampires, sexy undead. Hipster zombies, ravishing aliens, punk voodoo queens. Goth goeth before and after the fall. And we've seen it all before, only this time the tenor shifts. What we know, we are already eating each other. We are already part of this. Plaid-skirted coeds at colleges in the 70s, we ate them. 
Drunken Midwestern youths by the quarry we devoured by the score. We are already eating each other. We are already part of this. Mother's veins open, bleed copper and black, leave a sheen on our lips. We lick, then start in again. Machines drink and drink what we think is clean. Already eating each other, we are already part of this. Mouthfeel is all gorgeous, umami, tender children veal in a school bus. We are eating you all right now. I myself have eaten you all already with fries and a beer you did not satisfy. What I want now is an undead fairy, a palate cleanser, a poof of cream, foam, squid ink and whisked cream, pomegranate syrup and salty swirls that bleed deeply. Tasty, yes, but an hour later, we are already eating each other. We are already part of this. So you can see there's a little cannibal zombie theme. <laughs> which is another thing I share with them. Um, paintings always have at the heart of them a exploitation film of one sort or another. And so um, here's another part of this painting. This film, eventually you'll see the film stills painted from something called Fed to Pigs, which is disgusting. But uh, She uses it as a sort of stand-in for what happens when people appropriate native culture and misunderstand. So I didn't only make work for Andrea, I also started just making work for myself, sort of, um, I guess what I would call imagined unmountable un exhibits. You know, things that I could never actually see, but I imagine them deeply. So um, this one is curatorial note for Exhibit C. Exhibit C, mitochondrial halogroup C, and Y chromosome halogroup C walk into a bar 2016. Deploys mixed media installation, including audio of Ojibwe language, narrative, and text in English to produce an immersive environment where viewers soon discover they will not easily digest the work. The installation resists providing context except in a few instances, casual references to hello groups A, B, D, and X, and a banner printed with a quote from Jessica Kapolnik that states, there are lessons embedded in Windigo stories like this one. Unlike the DNA, Ancestry.com asserts that our history is written in our DNA, lessons are not. The locale created here, a social space for those of Native American ancestry, leaves questions with few answers in its glasses, matches, and drink coasters printed with a logo for Bar Q. Bar Q is a DNA thing. Sometimes uh, artists just ask me to write poems instead of didactics for them. And this is a short one for a four-panel painting by Aza Abe. Um, Aza is my, one of my nieces, and she does the covers for my sister Louise's books. And the cover of the, the novel The Roundhouse has a red woman on the cover and the very flowing. 
there are, it's part of a four panel piece and there's a woman for each color and for each direction and this is just a super short poem for that for women certainly they tell us all we need in flow and direction she reddens goes golden grows blue and blackens in power born of sorrow or strength or both why not no one is limited to one how many women truly live as fewer than four then I, this is um i'll go back to the one i sing in in a second and then i'll read the last one from this book that if i marked the darn thing sometimes i wonder why things elude me do you just not want to be read tonight i won't let it happen but this is the audience interaction part of the evening, so it has to happen. So does anybody know what a Mondegrin is? Or who Lady Mondegrin is? So a Mondegrin, from the phrase Lady Mondegrin, comes from a common mishearing of the lyrics to a song that maybe more people actually sing than the the lyrics and you know you'll some sometimes they'll find out the lyrics and they're like i never knew that's what the lyrics were so does everybody have one of those in their head can you shout out a few of them that uh, that you've misheard sometimes it's a church hymn sometimes it's a you know a rock song there's a bathroom on the right there's a bathroom on the right that's a common one from bad mood rising what's and what was that word from? I don't want to be another rye bread from? I don't want to be another rye <laughs> <laughs> You just know it's wrong. It couldn't yeah. be right. <laughs> Couple more? You make me feel like a woman, a teenager. <laughs> What's the actual lyric? <laughs> you make me feel like I'm living a teenage dream. <laughs> uh, one more. We're going down, down, and we're running around. And, there, and what is it supposed to be? We're going down, down, in an earlier round. We're going down, down, in an earlier round. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, some, um, there's a lyric to a fairly recent song, like the fa past five years, and I'm not thinking of who. But I asked students about this one, and this one, and then, and then I, we had to dismiss the class because everybody went into hysterics. Um, the song, I guess, is Drop It Like It's Hot, and she's singing it, Drop It Like It's Pork. <laughs> like at the top of her lungs, and somebody told her, no, no, what? What are you doing? <laughs> So this is um, an autobiography as mixtape for Lady Mondegren, and it's about the mistakes, the mistaken messages. All that I miss, oh, sorry, start over again. All that I read, I misread. All that I heard, I misheard. My skull holds a bowl of spark soup imprinted with grooves that ripple briefly and remove their paths 
So faint traces remain, yes, as if sparks and dark liquid could know, guess, our first and most ancient medium, mud and sticks, or no, our hands, the thumb of the beloved, gestures trace, mother's touch, creator's breath. What I have to say I've said in glyph and graph, incised, inscribed, sprayed, scratched, pen and pencil, ink and etching and charcoal, with my hand as template for mammoth back and pregnant mare. All that I read, I misread. All that I heard, I misheard. Don't go out tonight, it's bound to take your life. There's a bathroom on the right. <laughs> In the old folks' home, they'll know which grooves my needle sticks. They'll hear my full archive of mixed grooves, a mystery to youth who marvels closely at cassettes and deck, then says, music made with ribbons and magnets, what alchemy is this? What I've had to say, I've said, with correction fluid, exacto knife, wax and bray, with stylus and scribe, Commodore, Fat Mac, origami, rubber stamp, iron-on calligraphy, etch-a-sketch, a nib and quill and crayon. Well, she's got erected boots, it's not her suit. <laughs> Blinded by the light, revved up like a douche, you know the rumor <laughs> in the night. Dirty Dean and the Thunder Chiefs. The archive of mixed grooved and all the labels meant to prove the thesis of my love. Remember, I gave one to you, but I kept one too. I had the kind of faith that duplicates and even in those days when we gave it all away. What I have to say I've said via telex, teletype, facsimile fax, radio, in vinyl, postcard, sticky note, through the curled 12-foot cord of an old-school teen-line landline telephone. And then we just let it go. No record left of what it was so needed to be said. There was no curator of ephemera, though if there were, she would be me. My coil of copper, a heavy sheen in my hand, recording wire, scored at an estate sale for six generations of hoarders, stacked hi-fi atop hi-fi atop wireless routers and projectoscope beneath the dusty buttresses of slide viewers number one and two and many more, Panaview and sharper image, wireless TV, analog tuned to perpetual static now, it comforts me somehow, the white noise of before times. We waited eternities for the grainy waver of TVs, something called warming up we found the patience for. Well, you promised to love me completely, baby, whatever happened to you? What I have to say I've said, I fed the ephemeral fountain at the center of the new museum's most recent wing where all our instant messages reprint themselves in endless flickering, splashing, twinkling, chatting, blathering and ranting, scattering like schools of tetras at the plop of trolls and stalkers. The limitlessness of light, light once the essence of ephemeral, now how we groove the spark soup. 
all that I read, I misread. All that I heard, I misheard. What I have to say, I've let all the love that I, what I have to say, I've let all the love that I, what I have to say, I've said with light. What I have to say, I've said, it never made my meaning known. Never the same message I sent, something always lost and transmit, lost and transformed by the limits of the limitless that blinks back your I plus verb plus you, light of the love that I found. Okay, then I'm going to read one of the last poems in this book, and then if you'll indulge me if I have the time, I do. Um, I want to read uh, the first, middle, and end of my new collection of poems that I have to send to an editor on the 20th. And you can let me know if it sounds like the beginning, middle, and the end. This poem is called Manadu Gijigins, and that means little spirit cedar tree. And um, little spirit means, that's a literal, literal translation, but it sort of means it has become like a little god or a little, um, the English translation or the English called this tree the witch tree. And it's between 300 and 700 years old or 350 and 700 years old. It's on the edge of Lake Superior. It's a very famous tree. Many people have made images of it. One of the artists who made an image of it every day um, for 50 years, in every hour of the day, uh, over the course of 50 years, she tried to get there in all of the 24 hours, um, is Hazel Belville, who's in her 80s now, and still painting the little spirit tree every year. So I wrote this for her. Oh, I had um, the luck of uh, curating a show of hers, and I wrote this as part of it. Manadugijigin's Little Spirit Cedar Tree, who makes a shawl of her own arms, who wraps herself up, holding the last warmth of someone she loved once, 100, 200, or 700 years since. We lift our faces to her many faces, whose hair frights and stands into the wind, terrified or terrifying. We only know when close how to take her pose, which changes as women change day by day by day. We lift our faces to her many faces. We hold our bodies to her many bodies, whose way with wind makes a call. We must answer, must slip on tilting rocks, pass between a boulder portal to her side, her knees, her waist. We lift our faces to her many faces. We hold our body to her many bodies. We give our voices to her many voices. We fall to her in our need to breathe her instringency, her cleansing medicine. We lift our faces to her many faces. We hold our bodies to her many bodies. We give our voice to her many voices. We give sweet grass, asema, stones, tokens. We take away no sureness of her, aware only that time whirls waves, makes bone bleach sculptures of us all. We do not believe that she is small, she who brings the greatness of creation, the greatness of the lake, while tied to rock, grown small in spirit maybe, but no, she holds stone to stone, 
composes the cliff. We know her, then we do not know her. We hold our bodies to her many bodies, we give our voices to her many voices, whose tortured form twists at once away and ever back, her pain an emblem of release. She gives over to the waves, waves that change as she changes, one day gray, the next vivid as prism. We gift our voices to her many voices, we gift sweet grasses, same as stones, tokens whose torso, blown with holes, suffers no loss but fills her crevices sensual as pleasure, etched with fluorescence of lichen. She hides and shows all at once. She chooses all and gives all away. We hold our bodies to her many bodies. We lift our faces to her many faces. And this is why the painter addresses her for 50 years in every light, every hour, on every day a year can make. We lift our voices to her many voices and she returns a thousand forms and we have been every one of them. We lift our faces to her many faces and she remains. Thanks. So that was um, most of the readable poems and curator of ephemera. That book is so strange because some of them, I, after I got done, I thought, why didn't my editors mention that some of these, you can't really read them, you just have to look at them, they're visual poems. Um, but this book is very different, this new book. Um, it's very bit different from anything I ever wrote. It's called Little Big Bully, and it's gonna be published by Penguin as a National Poetry Series Award winner. And I wrote it less than a year ago, almost all of it. There's a few poems that came before last year during the polar vortex, God bless it. <laughs> we were stuck in, it was incredibly cold, like profoundly cold in Minnesota and we couldn't do anything. Um, and I just kept writing and writing, so. It starts with this poem called How. How loves, how I love you. How you, how we hang on words, how eaten with need, how we need to eat, how weevils sift the wheat, how cold it is, how thick with hoarfrost, ice sleek, slit, freeze, how wintry the mix, how full of angst, how gut sick, how blue lipped, how we drink, how we drink a health how we care, how easy over as eggs, how it all slides, how absurd, how yet tender we all, how wrapped in a thick coat, how battered, how slender the flesh, how we wrap ourselves, how many selves we all, how I miss you many, how I see you, how your eyes are mine, how tiny am I inside, how enormous my need, how you open an old-fashioned satchel, how deep it yawns, how bleak this need, how like winter, how yet it catches the light, how brilliant the sun dogs, perihelion, moon dogs, parasalian, phenomenon optic, how fetching your spectacles, how my thumbs might fit alongside the slope of your nose, how my own glasses slide down my thin bridge, how ridiculous the theory of the bridge, how inane the bibble babble, how we grew to be friends, how we grew thumbs, how opposable we all grew, 
how we grew sparks, how we blew up a fire, how angry, how incensed, how we resist, how we beat up drops, how water will not run, how we distract, how loud the dog snores, how loudly, how noisy the snow grows, how many degrees below, how we fret, how again, how we all came here, how did we, how did we, how loves, how did we come to this? So that's the opening poem, and I think it's going to stay there. And this is a new little poem that has a visual element to it. It's supposed to look like a metal, sort of, but it has nothing to do with the subject of the poem. This is another winter poem called Hide Bear Nation, No Use. When my bare nature comes upon me after snow's arrival, I sink into the blackness, into the dark curve of sleep, then a cave seeps behind my eyes, dark punctuation surrounds me. Oh, let me be, let me ease myself, let me lumber and slumber off the fat of me, forget the year of human work. I won't be woke, no use to try my earth blanket pulled around me shut as commas oh leave me a nation of one and the cubs who barely wake me when they come my one use they suck me thin all winter no use to try and rouse me it takes a brace of hounds and gloved hands hauling me out by my legs no use no fight in me sleep stays on me like a drug if I form one thought, it's for the cubs, but I'm no use, pulled free of earth, unable to move, unmoved, until this last thought comes. I am the use of their guns. In um, Minnesota and Wisconsin, tribes have tried to stop the hunting of wolves and bears by the means that I described. You can pull a, a sleeping hibernating bear with cubs in her den out and shoot her. You know, it makes no sense, but it's legal. Um, but Ojibwe people hold uh, wolves and bears as our clan animals, and you're not supposed to kill them, not supposed to eat them if you're from that clan. So they hide on the reservation now because they're smart. Okay, and this poem is supposed to be the last poem in the collection. Um, it's called Reprieve. We did not expect the light to break into prism and the earth to cool. A new deluge, knowledge, we waited, praised, so much we did not know, we did not know. We missed the purple of snow shadow, but kept snow. Our skins struggled into iridescence. Everyone grew new. We knew not who walked among us. Locks dropped off. Some felt a loss. Clocks stopped. They shut up days, walked out nights. Some gave up when Jesus did not come. Fine, we thought. We're done with dying. Now this, this shimmer, everlasting lake of time, when every child born is ours, every child mine. Thank you so much for listening to those.